I want to talk about pruning. Um, pruning, 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 pruning. The pruning. It sounds like a horror movie. Um, not that I would know because I can't watch horror movies. I watched one at uh, 18 years old and I like it. Like probably what I would consider at the time some kind of demonic attack in my bed that night and then I decided never to ever watch another one again. It wasn't worth uh, the paralyzing fear I had. Whereas a friend of mine who was also a Christian laughed their way through the same movie. I guess you just don't know. But I'm very sensitive. So, um, so, so I just keep away. Um, so this is the closest thing I'm going to get to. A horror movie is the title of this message. And hopefully the closest thing, hopefully this message is not the closest thing you get to a horror movie. <laughs> it's pretty sad, but maybe it is. I want to talk about pruning. I have to get my mind off that other thing because I'm fascinated now. But I do sense uh, right now there's something about us. I will just go back there for a second. I, th- I do sense something about us as a people declaring the praises of God. I think, and I think more than that, it's interesting that we had that Not Today song. Um, I will sing the night into the morning. I'll sing my fear into your praise. I'll sing my soul into your presence. Whenever I say your name, let the devil know not today. And also, one of my very favorite songs, It Is Well, which is written in the midst of tragedy and was written in, in the deep, deep, deep pain, deep pain, dark pain, uh, loss and grieving and, and, and kind of like the domino effect of, of loss, like losing everything. It's like the Job story all over again. Everything is gone in my life. What will I do? Oh, you know, I know what. I'm going to write a song and I'm going to call it It As Well which is so counterintuitive to how humans naturally react to pain and problem and trial and loss and testing. But it is what we are called to do, to say in the face of like the stomachache that won't leave, it is well. To say that into the face of just another of many sleepless nights, it is well. To say in the face of feeling like betrayal, it is well. Or in the face of self-loathing, it is well. Or in the face of, you name it, helplessness, confusion, it is well. And I'm not saying that to minimize the pain, but to maximize the presence of God. And I'll put it out there that if you find yourself in those places when things are um, closing in on you, to, to claim the Scripture, to claim the Word of God, to sing the Word of God over your soul begins to shift the atmosphere. And if you, like Paul, needed someone else to sing with you, that's what we're here for as well, right? To grab a friend and say, can we sing together? Because there's some things in my life that need shifting. The Bible says this in uh, John 15, 1 to 4, and I have it up here. I am the true vine. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's saying to them, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. 
he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I feel like John 14 to 17 is like, like what? If you read through John and you get to these, these prayers Jesus prays and these statements he makes, he's like, oh my gosh. I can't, like it's both really clear and really impossible and super duper confusing. And, and it's like, oh my gosh. And th- this, this is one of them. And I don't want to pull out everything right now because there is an interesting um, thing to remark on pruning, but also you are clean. And they come from a similar word. Um, oh, here we go. A little fiddling around there. Um, you are already clean. And I, I don't want to talk about that, but there's a good thought there. So if you want to have some time with Jesus, he'll give you a revelation, I'm sure. Or maybe not, because you just don't know with Jesus. He's tricky. Like, seriously, though. What you do, you get a pastor that comes and gives you a couple of principles, and you're like, yeah, that works about 40% of the time. And these are like the best, amazing biblical scripture, uh, like principles. So what happens when you serve a principle over a God, right? I'm not here to serve the principles of God. I'm here to serve the person of God. Now, his principles are what show us his character. So I don't dismiss them. But I don't lean on them at the cost of leaning into him. And I feel like God will always lean you, lead us into places where one principle that held us up for a season that is in fact true will not hold us up for another season because God wants to show us fullness of truth. And we are little people. But we're big people. But, you know, we're compared to God. <laughs> and so God is gracious in how he shows us truth. And that's why God will go, hey, you've really lent on this, and that's been great. I want to show you something else. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that wall I was leaning on has now just been shifted away, and I've got to grope around in the dark, right? Anyone else feel like the Christian walk is like that? I don't think not the Christian walk is not like that. As in, I guess life is like that. We're lucky we've got a lamp um, that is God. I guess we're not holding that lamp. I guess the lamp is the Holy Spirit in us, guiding us. Um, but there is this nature of God revealing himself over and over and over again. He's not showing us a different him. He's just showing us more of him. I want to talk about pruning. So I want to have a little talk about Abraham and Ishmael. There's a lot of Bible verse. You thought you were going to get away from it after Karen's extensive Exodus discussion. If you haven't listened to the podcast, it's not a podcast, a recording um, you need to listen to it. I sat there listening to Karen thinking, yeah, she's incredible. She is, she is incredible, um, an absolute uh, powerhouse of a preacher, and you've only just begun. So watch out, world. When you get me, you get, you know, that's all right, but I can't wait till Karen speaks. You know, like I'm here because God's put me here, but what, what God has put on your life, Karen, is absolutely phenomenal. And as your husband, it makes me super duper proud. And um, I will, just as Ephesians says, I will love my wife by opening the doors up as far and as wide as I can to let her lead and shine as bright as she can. And that's how I see that verse. And being a husband, loving my wife as Christ loves the church. 
he just, he just gave his life. Didn't he? We're going to move on. Uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Abraham, Abraham, the father of faith. Uh, I've got to say, if I didn't say earlier, I'm Elijah. Just because, you know, some, a lot of you know me, but some of you might not. And you might have just come along because someone brought you along. Welcome to a gathering of Christians. This is one of the things we do. There's many more things. We dance. We punch the air. No, I don't know. We, we, we're people that are groping around in the dark, thankful for the light of God that's within us, and thankful for the body of Christ that God has placed us in. I adored church. I adore the church. I love the church. I love the church. I love, 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 love the gifts God has put in the church when I see the people around me. And I'm excited to get closer to the church. And by the church, I mean individuals that are believing in Jesus. That's it. And I'm excited to lean in and see God do a miracle in the church and as we love each other from the church. And so the world looks in and goes, oh my gosh, these guys truly love each other. There's no way this is humanly possible without a God. And that's why in 1 John, it says that God is invisible. People have not seen God, but they see God when we love one another because it's impossible to love that good. Right? Yeah, yep, it is. Well, maybe not for you. It's definitely impossible for me, and I need God. So we're going to talk about Abraham. So, so the Lord said to Abraham, he was, it was Abraham and Sarai up until the end, but that's just confusing for me, so I'm just going to say Abraham and Sarah. God changed their name. It's a bit interesting, but we're going to go from here. Verses 12, the Lord says to Abraham, it's not up there, so you're just going to have to like go with me. He just, there we go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will, ble- you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I just love that not only does he say, I'm going to bless you, This is a very simple revelation, but I think it's beautiful and profound and very much the picture of what it is to be a Christ follower. Not only am I blessed in Christ, but I am a blessing in Christ. So not only am I absolutely trusting that God has the best for me and in Christ, He he is trustworthy to lead me where He wants me to go and what will bring out the very best in me. And I can trust Him with my soul. I can trust Him with my getting up and going to bed. I can trust Him with my decisions and I can trust Him with my emotions. I can trust Him with my career and I can trust Him with my anxieties and I can trust Him with my gifts and my talents and I can trust Him with my time and my effort. Not only will He bless me, by being completely trustworthy. But he also wants to bless through me. He wants me and has called me and has called you to be a conduit of blessing. And I love that because God doesn't just bless. His favor isn't just for a moment. It's a favor that overflows. It's like got a life of its own because his favor is his Holy Spirit. And when his Holy Spirit is in us, it just floods and flows out of us. And will we continue to have a heart that seeks His filling in us 
and seeks His Spirit to flow out of us? And would we continue to have a heart that seeks His Word and seeks to worship and seeks to get around the church because we know that those are tools that help us flow the Holy Spirit out of us? We want to turn up in the supermarket with the Holy Spirit evident in our face. We want to turn up in our family home. We want to talk to our kids with the Holy Spirit evident in our action. We want to have a coffee with a friend or go to work. I was going to say, and build a house. I'm never going to do that. But knowing that our hands flow with the Holy Spirit at work, that our conversations have the Holy Spirit at work, and that even when it feels like or seems like they don't, we have an opportunity to lean in, and yet again, the well opens up inside of us. I love that. So there's the promise. Abraham's got a promise, and through Christ, we now have that promise. That's cool. Let's continue. So some things in his life happen, and we get to chapter 15. We were in 12. Now we're 15, 2 to 6. And I'm just going to a little segment here. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, so this has been some time has passed, since God has given Abraham the promise. I will make you into a great nation. Which infers children, right? Abraham and Sarah want children. It's been a long time. Let's read in. Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer. Uh, Eliezer. Of Damascus. But Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So he's saying, God, how is this going to happen? Maybe through my servant. So Abraham has been waiting for a long time, too long for him, and he begins to reckon with God. I'll, I'll continue the plan myself, God. I've got some ideas myself. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is in your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him aside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Not only are you going to have one kid, but what flows through you is going to be numerous, too numerous to count. Like, it almost feels like an insult. And at this point, Abraham was 86. I'm not quite sure how old he was when God first talked to him, but he wasn't 86. It's okay to hear the word of God when you're like, yeah, this can happen. I see ways it can happen. I see, yep. See, God gives you a promise, a dream, and you're like, yeah, I can see how that can work. When you're young and God tells you you're going to be all these things, you're like, okay, I've got time. I've got time. You know, it's going to happen. When you get older, you begin to go past the scenario you felt God called you to. You begin to get a little bit freaked out. Oh, no, have I, have I uh, not heard the voice of God correctly? We seem to think Abraham had it real easy because the voice talked to him, and we don't have it easy. When Abraham didn't have the Holy Spirit, and we do. And I think we make excuses for not hearing from God. Um, or we treat faith like it should be laid out in front of us. Instead of what it actually is, which is in a person. And we seem to think that life with God means the light is turned on and everything in front of us is made clear. But 
none of us really truly believe that. <laughs> because we know if we've lived a couple of even weeks in a Christian's shoes, that faith is trusting on something that, that sometimes feels like it could fall over. Now, God will never fall over and He will never change and He's fully trustworthy. But as we grope around in the dark, as we have a lamp into our feet and not much more, not a flood light into our path, a light into our path and a lamp into our feet, we sometimes think, God, I need more than this. And have you ever been in a scenario as a Christian that God did not give you enough information? You know, let's do hands for that. Anyone been in a scenario where God gave you a word and you didn't get enough enough information? <laughs> so like, like, come on, God. I could, do a, I could do it a little bit more than, don't do this, do that. It's like, thanks for that one sentence. Thanks for that one sentence that I thought I probably could have made up myself and now I'm really unsure, but I feel you're calling me to it. And now I'm kind of in this place of, I think this is faith, but it's not, it's, now it's getting worse. I'm beginning to think like, I really thought I heard from God then, but is this, this doesn't feel like blessing to me, <laughs> but I know he's the blesser and I know I have favor on my life. What do I do? And so Abraham is like, what about this guy? And God's like, no. And then he says, not only are you going to have a kid, not only are you going to have a son, but too numerous to count will be your descendants. I would find it hard to be like, oh, here we go again. You know? He's like, oh my gosh. And then, oh sorry, that wasn't 86. This is 86. So here, here we go. We're going to go Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne to him no children. So this is uh, his wife. And so she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And she said to Abraham, Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. Abraham was 86 then. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So the promise was seeded at the beginning. The promise was reminded and built upon as he journeyed on. And then he's got to a time in his life where he's saying, maybe this is the way it's going to happen. God still hasn't come through in the way I thought. Maybe it's and he begins to get involved, and Sarah begins to get involved, and they collectively begin to go, well, we'll plan the rest of this out. Maybe this is the way God will bless us. Have you ever been in a scenario where you're too sick of waiting for God, so you, so you move anyway, and then you go, oh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. I am definitely a mover and shaker, and um, I'm very, I like that about myself. I like taking steps forward. I like moving. I get very sick of people that take too, time, too long to make decisions. And then I married one of those people, and that's been great on our marriage. Um, and probably been good for me, and probably been good for her. But those times where God is not saying go, and I'll say, well, you know what, I'll just say go myself. <laughs> and we begin to think, well, maybe God wants me to bless me in this way. So I'm just going to bend it out here. I'm going to bend it out here. It's still the promise, right? It's still Abraham's bloodline. It's still, still kind of what God says. We'll find out later that that's not what God says. And so Genesis 17, recap, if you're not with me on this, God speaks to Abraham out of nowhere, just like randomly. Abraham, obviously in his spirit, recognizes it's the God of creation. So God says, go and I'll bless you. So he does it. And he says, you will have offspring. You will be a nation. He goes on his journey. 
He thinks maybe it's my servant. God says, no, it will be your flesh and blood. He keeps going a bit longer and says, maybe it's not Sarah. Maybe it's not my wife. Maybe it's her servant. Well, she says that, sorry. She says, and he agrees. And then they have a kid. And then God says, here we go. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. This is verse seven, chapter 17. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Bear with me. We're going to get to some, like, some solid thought and can feel it welling up. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham, which he was called. Your name will now be Abraham, for I have... Sorry, I just got lost. Made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you. This is God speaking and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And as Christians, we are grafted in them. In Christ, we share in the descendant sea. We share in the blessing of Abraham. So his story is our story. So it's not even a metaphor. It's what our story, how our story begins. It begins here. This is where our story begins. So this is important to us as Christians. Between you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner. I want to say if you're here and you have children or grandchildren, that is the promise over your life. In Christ Jesus, that your, your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will be blessed. Claim the promise. Claim it in Christ doesn't matter what your kids are doing right now. Claim it in Christ. Speak it over them. Speak it over your families. Before we freak out that our parenting might not be up to scratch, we know that God is the father of these children. And as people that, have, as, as people that are in Christ, we broke the chain of curse and we live in the flow of blessing. So when we live in the flow of blessing, He flows through us onto our children, our children's children, and our children's children's children. The whole of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that he will, she will be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down and he laughed. I always think it's funny when people think laughter is not a, a, acceptable in a gathering of Christians. Look at this guy. God should be so ridiculous to us sometimes. We just can't help but laugh. Sometimes we've lost sight of the promise. We've lost sight of the dream. We think it's too Pentecostal to be excited about what God is doing. Some of us do. We go, oh, that's just silly. Have you seen how those people react to God? <laughs> Here's Abraham, the father of righteousness, the father of the nations, chuckling to himself because God just said something ridiculous. When's the last time you've heard something ridiculous from God? Because he is the God who, who speaks to us as if it's ridiculous, but is truly, in fact, working out a great and glorious plan. Now, I know I don't have the mind of God. 
So when God speaks, sometimes I just can't help but laugh because it seems silly to me. God wants to impart dreams into, into us. He wants to impart promises. He wants to remind us of what he said at the beginning. And if you feel like I can't remember what that is, lean in until you remember. There's no magic bullet for relationship with God. And sometimes we give up far too easily. And I wonder sometimes that Christians join the church because they wanted something. And then they didn't get it. And so they either give up or they think that's pretty bad to give up. So they just give up in their spirit. And the saddest thing is when we have buildings full of supposedly Christians. I'm not, I'm not a judge, so I don't know. And I'm not saying that you are. Only you can know that in your heart. But I am saying it's worth checking out. Like I need to do for me and you need to do for you. To go, have I lost the dream? Have I lost the promise? Am I living more like the world than I would, was called to live? I can't answer that for you. I have no idea what it's like for you. You have to answer that. I have to answer that for me in my household. But I think it's worth asking ourselves that question. Lean into God until he reminds you of the promise. Lean into God. Worship him until he comes through. Pray until the promise is on your lips again. Read the word of God until your demeanor has shifted. Pray until it happens. Don't give up because he hasn't given up on you. What's really interesting, he talks to Sarah and then he laughed to himself and he said, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? I would laugh at him too. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. He said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and I will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So yes, I will bless Ishmael, but what I promised you at the beginning is through Isaac. And what I love about that is even when we try to finish the rest of the puzzle, build the end of the building, finish the story he was starting, ourselves, without him, God is gracious to us. Thank God for a God who does not go, well, that's useless. I'm going to find someone else that doesn't keep finishing what I was trying to say. You know, it's really annoying when you're starting a sentence and someone finishes it. God must be so annoyed at us. <laughs> starting to talk and we're like, and it's this. And he's like, oh, just let me finish. Yeah, and we're like, yes, yeah, because it takes you a hundred years to say something, God. <laughs> it's funny to me. Um, I, I don't know if you have those chats with God, but I do. It's not always nice and reverent because we're in a relationship. I'm reverent and he, he's gracious to me. He lets me kind of spaz out a bit sometimes at him. And we, <laughs> he's gracious and he still brings me back to reverence. But um, let's not have a reverence without substance. Just a little side note there. Let's not have a look of godliness that doesn't have the substance of godliness. And let's not think that the substance of godliness looks pathetic all the time. I'm a Christian, and God's so big, and I'm pathetic, and I just go around like this. I think we've lost, it's false humility. And that wasn't from the message. I just feel like God wants to really remind us of that. Humility is understanding God's taking care of me so I can take care of others. Humility is not thinking that I am just the worst human being on the planet and that's all I think about all the time. 
That's actually pride. The more you think about the sel- yourself, the more you are full of yourself. The less you think about yourself, the more room in your mind you have to think about other things. Like lunch. So I'm going to give you from that really quick thoughts because I think that the story of Abraham kind of preaches itself. You already know exactly what I'm going to say, right? He went through a pruning. And God calls us to go through a pruning. He gives us a seed of promise. He waters them with moments of encouragement. And we, we, we remember his faithfulness. And then he prunes them to bring about greater growth. In this case, it was years and 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 years of waiting. Just pray that that's not your pruning. I pray that's not mine. Sometimes it's a loss. Sometimes it is a war, a a big decision to make. Sometimes it's just a wall and you can't get beyond it. Whatever it is, we're too quick to blame Satan for something sometimes God is doing. We give sometimes the enemy too much credit for something God is maneuvering in us. Pruning can be a sudden moment or it can be the waiting for God to come through. And I think mostly it's the waiting for God to come through. Yes, God takes things away. Yes, things happen. But, but there is a lot of our life is waiting for God to be faithful with what we felt he told us he was faithful with. And it will take your entire lifetime. And I think some of you know this more than I do. I'm talking to people that know more about this than I do. So keep going with your promise. God prunes because he loves he prunes to grow, and he prunes because he is the best in store for us. He prunes because there's already fruit. It's a really great prayer to ask this. Have a go. God, would you prune me? Jesus, I'm asking you to prune me today. And if he does, you can know this for certain, that you were fruitful, and God wants you to be more fruitful. I think this is probably the big point. In the testing, when I rush ahead, I don't learn. When God's testing me, when you find yourself in havoc, when you find yourself in chaos, when you find yourself in confusion, for all of us it's different. Mine tends to be frustration. And if that goes for too long, it's a little bit like it gets quite cloudy over for me. So, so depression, I don't want to say that. Um, like It's not having depression. It's that I just get quite depressed and everything feels meaningless. So when things have happened in my life, I get frustrated. I'll try to make them happen. And if if my things don't, if I can't make things happen, then I find myself quite depressed. For other people, it might be different. Hopeless, helpless, anxious, sleepless, angry. Emotions are great because they indicate that God wants to do something in our lives. We try to put emotions on two different fronts, I think, in the church. We either go chuck them out or we go glorify them, and neither are effective. Emotions are the worst leaders, but they need to be in the um, mix. 
They're not the head of the train carriage, but they're the ones shortly after. Emotions are amazing. They indicate in us what needs to change, what needs to go, what needs to move, what needs to shift. Emotions tell us, oh, something's going on in me. I need to go to God. I love emotions. I pray you have more of them. And I pray they lead you to God. Have you ever felt like you were living the same situation over and over again? Have you ever felt like you got the same annoying boss, the same annoying church, the same annoying scenario? Most likely, the problem is you, and it's a lesson you haven't learned. You know that person that comes to you, and it's like the fifth time they talked about how dumb their boss is, and I'm like, oh, I've heard this a bit too many times. I think you're the dumb one. I mean, like, maybe, maybe you've truly had the worst ring of people. Maybe, generous assumption. Or maybe God wants to teach you something and you're not listening and you're not learning. In trial, there's a lesson. Every test has a lesson. Every trial has a lesson. God wants to grow you. So in the midst of pruning, in the midst of testing, in the midst of trial, ask yourself, after complaining, we've all done it, we all do it, after avoiding God, we all go there too if we're silly enough, after being angry at God, yes, okay, after being withdrawn from church for sure, after doing all those things, if we must, do them, take a break, take a breather, and go to God and say, what are you teaching me? What have you got for me to learn? I want to learn it. Do we want to be the same people that learn the same lesson, have to try to do the same test year after year after year, or do we want to be people that learn what God's saying to us? And the test is not, you know, Christian degree. We're not trying to tick box of, look at me, I'm doing a good Christian. It's, it's, the test is always... Always, always, always about getting closer to God. Always about relationship because God is a God of relationship. And when we rush ahead, we try to finish God's sentence. When we try to make it our own way, when we go, I'm sick of this. And we, sometimes we do it by the, the, the big actors in this, in this room, would, like the big movers will do it by making something happen anyway. The people that are more conscientious will do it by just withdrawing a bit. And so we kind of go, it's not working out, I'm just going to disengage. It's not working the way I thought, so I'm just going to pull back a bit. And the sad thing about that is what, if you're doing that, what you can't see, you probably can't even see you're doing it necessarily, but what you definitely won't see is how much pain you're causing the people around you, how much pain you're causing your friends and family, and how much pain you're causing your church family, and how when you withdraw, you can't hear from God. He's there with you, but you have withdrawn from him. And what you need to do is repent from that, turn from that, and turn to God and say, I've had lots of times in my life, I have lots of times where I feel a bit stupid and a bit embarrassed before God. <laughs> because of how much time I wasted getting to the throne room. How much time, like totally. Like I'd love to say that those days are behind me, but I'd be lying to you. And I'm a, I'd be a little bit embarrassed even now thinking about the times that I just kind of go, it's like on Monday morning, we have our Bible reading plan, and I said to myself, I'm not reading this because I don't want to talk to God today. <laughs> it wasn't like I'm not getting anything from the Bible. It was like I don't want to. I knew exactly. I remembered to read it. I wasn't distracted. I was just being a dingus <laughs> before God because 
I was frustrated and spend too much time trying to finish his sentence instead of listening to what he wants to say. Luckily, he's gracious, right? He didn't kick Ishmael out. He didn't say, well, he's gone. He said, no, bless him, but I'm still going to do what I said I'd do from the start. And he brought Abraham graciously and kindly back to what the promise was. God is not just the God of the beginning. He's also the God of the middle. He's not just the promise giver, but he's the promise bringer. And I think, finally to say, and a host can come up now, um, or do a response, but you might as well come up. It will be helpful to me. Uh, I think something we need to know constantly is what God is doing in you is far more valuable to him than what he's doing through you. What God is doing in you is of far greater value to him than what he's doing through you. What God was doing with Abraham was he had a promise and he, and, he, and he had a relationship with Abraham and through that relationship he brought about a promise that we are still living in right now. We are the descendants of Abraham. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But God's primary value was relationship with Abraham. It wasn't just relationship with Abraham so that. The God we read in the Bible the hope in which we have in Christ, the risk he took on the cross is not just a, oh, finally get saved so that you can do these things and be on mission and love people and heal the sick. Those are all great things. But have we forgotten sometimes that the whole purpose of that is so he can spend time with us, be with us, join with us. It's not for God. It's not from God. It's not next to God. It's not to God. It's with God. The whole purpose of being a Christian is being with God. And when I'm with God and God is with me, then I go, what are we going to do? And God's like, hey, I've got some ideas. I think sometimes the promise or the thought or the mission or the purpose is just a way of God getting close to you and I. Who of us with our children think, I just, I'm just, I love you so much, I can't wait to become a concert pianist. I'm going to love you so that you can do the things I want you to do. I'm going to love you so that you can become that Olympic cyclist that I really want you to become. I'm going to love you. That's not what we do. We love them because they're our children. Now, if Jesus said, your father will give you a gift, how much more? If your father wouldn't give you a snake but would give you the food, not give you a rock, but give you bread. If that's what your father does, how much more loving do you think our father is in heaven? Sometimes we're not listening to God because we've gotten too stuck in the promise. Abraham was the strategist trying to form how this promise would come about. Well, he just needed to be the son saying, God, what are you doing? I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm engaged. This is not dismissive and it's not waiting. It's engagement. It's relationship. It's prayer and worship and fasting and talking and singing and being with God. Because what God is doing in you is of far more value to Him than what He is doing through you. So we go, man, we didn't get that thing that we thought God wanted to give us. And He's like, I'm doing something in you. Because I'm working on you. 
because you, you're like a house that needs renovation. And we'll build the extra stories. We'll get to that point. I've got some more things I want to build. I'm going to turn this into a you know, three-story building. But right now we're one story, one bedroom with a pretty average bathroom. We need to renovate this first. God's working on your heart so that he can do a work through you. So what we're going to do right now is if you don't know God, you don't have that blessing. If you don't, aren't close or connected to Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have that blessing. If you want to be someone that lives close to God in the blessing of God, then we've got to say our heart needs to open. And for some of you, your hearts are ready to do that. And so we want to create an opportunity. You're saying, man, my heart wants Jesus. I want to make that, res- I want to make that decision. I want to respond to Christ. I want to open my heart to Christ. I want to take God at his word. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes. We've got some care team members down the back. And if that's you, you're just going to raise your hand. And then we're going to pray a prayer. And um, we'd love to give you a Bible and, uh, and help you make a journey out of this relationship with God. So why don't you close your eyes? Everyone across this room, if, you, if you're here and you're saying, man, I don't know Jesus, or I'm not connected, or I just feel stuck, and you're talking about promises and picking things up, and you're talking about pruning and testing, but I don't, know, I don't know how to do any of that because I just feel like I'm underwater, or I'm just in darkness.